If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. So alluring, a boy, so entranced, a song, so inviting, you start to advance, we're locked in a gaze, you can't look away. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 1875 podcast. As ever, I am your host, Tom Schofield, and I'm joined by Alex Lomax and Oliver Howarth. Um, so, lads, a good week, you would say. Um, Alex, uh, how has it been? It's been nice to uh, see Rovers uh, win at the weekend, obviously, on the back of two decent performances that didn't really merit uh, the results. So, yeah, I'm quite positive this week. And Oliver, how's yours been? Obviously, on the back of a 5 0 victory, you've got to be, got to be pleased with that. Yeah, really pleased with the 5 0. But I think Alex is spot on. It justified win having played sort of nearly as well as that for three games, but losing two. Um, yeah, I think it was, says a bit more about the opposition, though. But it was very good, very good. It was brilliant, and I think you're both right there in saying that it was just reward for what has been an encouraging start to the season, despite the losses against Bournemouth and Newcastle. So we're going to jump straight into it with a review of the Wickham game. Um, we're going to discuss Adam Armstrong, Tyrese Dolan, Derek Williams, and then the important question, are we getting ahead of ourselves? Um, every football fan does it. We're all guilty of it. It's just one of them. So, Alex, I'm going to come straight to you um, off the bat. Adam Armstrong was clinical, wasn't he? His early season form has been fantastic, and he's carried that on from last season. Obviously, I read a stat today that in the top four divisions, he's, he's contributed or he's, he's caught, been the creator or the scorer of 20 goals, which is the most of anybody in those top four leagues. How satisfying is it to see Adam Armstrong really now coming into his own? I think it's the culmination of a project on that particular player. Um, I think I remember way back in the January of the League One season um, when Armstrong was still very raw. Um, he had that electric pace, but maybe didn't know how to use it properly. And um, I think as we've progressed as a team over the, probably the past two years, maybe I think. He's just got better and better as that time's gone on. And um, I think Marlborough has talked about um, the, the project and certain players maybe growing with us as we as we go along and some players falling off the end. Um, and Armstrong obviously fits into the first category. Um, just an absolutely outstanding uh, previous season. And um, he started brilliantly this season and, I just want to see him carry on in this vein, which is it will be a challenge, but I think he's got all the attributes and all the ability to do that. We just hope we can keep hold of him now, which is the one concern we have. But um, it's nice to have a reliable source of goals in the team. Any team that has any aspirations to be uh, to achieve anything in this league needs to have a reliable goal source, and thankfully it seems we've got that. Do you think a lot of that's down to Mowbray's honing of the player? Because like you said, he was very raw, I suppose, especially in that championship, first championship season and the League One season. Because credit got to go to Mowbray for really bringing the best out of him. Because it's easy to forget that the likes of Bolton and Barnsley fans, where he's at previously, really didn't rate him. I'm a big believer in giving the manager due credit when he deserves it. And I think I would say some Rovers fans are maybe guilty of criticising Mowbray when he deserves it, but then not giving him the due credit when he deserves it as well. And I think with Armstrong, obviously the credit goes to Mowbray for spotting him when he, well, he had him previously at Coventry when he scored a bag full of goals and then um, brought him in in that League One season. And I thought, I think got good value for money 
that following summer um, for, I think it was 1.75 million. So he certainly paid that back. And um, I, I think Marbury has certainly done a lot for Armstrong. I think moving him from the left wing, which is where he spent a lot of his time early on, to the maybe more to the centre, it's probably coincided with the injury to Dak and um, him getting a bit more of a key role in the down the middle. And um, he's obviously pounced on that chance, and um, all credit to him for that. Certainly, and I think we're going to answer a couple of questions on it later on. But it's going to be interesting to see where Dak fits in. Now Armstrong is central and whether or not they can work as a pair. Um, you are right, though. He's certainly paid that money back. And, and you've got to be looking now. If we were to sell him, Rovers would be holding out for a hefty fee, wouldn't they? So all signs are positive when you look at Adam Armstrong. Another player, Ollie, that's, well, I guess the surprise package. Um, he's had some fantastic praise from Rovers fans I and mean, I know that some people have been comparing him to, to Damien Duff calling him one of the most exciting players we've had since obviously the since Duff and, and how brilliant he was and uh, it's come no surprise as to who that player is but it's Tyree Stolen. he's burst onto the scene hasn't he Ollie um, obviously got his first league goal against Wickham how good is this player how good is this lad yeah, I think from what we've seen so far, it's quite remarkable considering where he's come from. If you look, he had spent his youth career at Man City and then has been in Preston's academy for since 2017. And then we signed him as a, as a youth prospect, really. Not that's what the signing was. And then his attitude in training and into pre-season warranted giving him some time in pre-season games and he's taken that up to shown so much good in those games that he's been put into the first team at the start of the season and yeah as things stand he's really grabbed that chance with two hands and I think one thing maybe with the odd exception to give Mowbray his credit I think he's always said you know if a young player is good enough whether it's from our own academy or somebody we've brought in, if, if they're good enough, they will get their opportunity to play in the team. Um, I think we spent a lot of last season bemoaning, missing that little bit of something in the final third, that cutting edge, a little bit of X factor, somebody to do something different. And I think what's most pleasing is we've played, you know, we've played some good teams already this season um, and no disrespect to Wickham, sort of a lesser side, but He's looked very confident and wanting the ball in all of those games. And he is providing, we didn't get the results in those first two games, but he he was starting, he really is showing that cutting edge. He's so hungry when he gets on the ball and he is making things happen. And to watch the, when he came on with Rothwell away at Bournemouth and it completely changed the game, the two of them coming on and Bournemouth were just looked terrified they were on the back foot getting deeper into their half and I mean we know how the game panned out but it a little unjustly and he's just been carrying that through really and he he was such a menace to the Wickham to the Wickham defence and it's his tireless effort on the ball and his trickery and his speed and he's so direct that I think there's a lot to be excited about I think um the one thing I would say he should, I hope he kind of keeps his head on his sort of feet on the ground and listens to the coaching staff from Mowbray. If you were being hypercritical, you maybe look at something like Bournemouth's third goal when we're in the ascendancy, and he just needs to listen and maybe make. He shouldn't always be taking on players immediately because I think he lost the ball slightly cheaply when Niambi had gambled again to overlap, and I know that's how our equaliser would come about, but in losing the ball in that position, given where we were on the pitch. Um, like those little moments where you, you'd expect that in such a raw, young, exciting player that just made, yeah, just kind of making sure that if he wants to keep his place in the side, that that kind of discipline occasionally is going to be, will kind of hold him in good stead. And probably the only other thing was, I think it's very interesting they're not exactly the same players, but 
comparisons with Harry Chapman, I, to me, I find quite interesting when you read between the lines of when Mowbray's spoken about Chapman over last season and with fans kind of wanting to see him get a chance and the fact that Dolan's come straight into the side. The way Mowbray alluded to some of Chapman's attitude in terms of saying he's got a lot of talent, but you know if he wants to be in the first team, it's more down to him and his application and it's not just about running forward and you know running down the wing and taking players on it's what we do off the ball and areas of discipline where the way he spoke after the Wickham game about Dolan was exemplary talking about his kind of how he is as a person his attitude in training and so so I think there's another added bonus that I think his how quickly he's coming to the first team may be kind of the impetus Chapman needs to kind of step his game up in training and that's only going to be good because they may feel like they're competing for kind of similar opportunities in the side but yeah the longer it goes on the better it is for us so let's just hope it continues really. I think you've rubber man there Ollie because one of my next questions was going to be you know what's the difference between a Tyrese Dolan and a Harry Chapman and I think you got it spot on no one knows what goes on behind the scenes at a football club, but a big part of it has got to be Chapman's attitude, as we've said, in terms of maybe not putting himself in the best light in the eyes of the manager. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. It, it, it's one of them, isn't it? I think Harry Chapman was one that excited us a lot in League One, and I think similar to Richie Smallwood, he's the sort of player that has suffered at the fact that we are now considerably further ahead than what we were in that League One season. It's easy to forget that was only three years ago. Um, moving on, though, um, and Ollie, I'm going to come to you again with this one. Derek Williams has had a very good start to the season, I would say. I know we conceded the three against Bournemouth, but he looked assured. Um, obviously got a goal against Wickham on uh, Saturday. We signed Daniel Ayala, who Mowbray has described as one of the best in the division. Does Ayala get in the eleven currently, the way that Derek Williams is playing, or is he just is Williams just keeping that space warm? I'm very yeah, I'm really pleased with the Ayala signing. I think I said in the last pod that we thought it had one that had got away again, but that it would represent a really really good piece of business were we to bring him in and we have but I wouldn't I don't think he gets straight into the side and for a few reasons though I think we've I think we've started the season really well yes we conceded two goals against Bournemouth and one in the cup against Newcastle but I think if you look at all of those goals I'm not sure you point too many fingers at the side necessarily and I think we were just undone by individual quality with some very expensive players um, and you sort of sometimes just have to accept that because um, I don't think we defended that badly but yeah we, we you're right Williams has started the season well we have said in the past that him and Lenehan have been okay and better than okay when they play together and then when it comes to Ayala I think he's left Middlesbrough probably not on very good terms he didn't play the entire back end of the season, pretty much, I think. Um, I, I wouldn't call him injury prone, per se. I think once once he's sort of fit and going in the side, I think he, he becomes quite a consistent performer. And it's more that he's been unlucky with injuries, but I'm not sure he's necessarily match fit. And I think he needs to settle into the squad, get on the training grounds, make sure he's kind of match sharp and match fit and probably wait for his opportunity, whether that's through injuries and suspensions to other players or a particular dip in form. But if we if we keep performing the way we do, I think it sends the wrong message, I think. Um, Williams and Mowbray have clearly had conversations this summer about his future and he started the season if and if, yeah, it, well, I think it would send a poor message to the squad to then drop Williams um, unless the intention is that he is going to leave the club but as things stand I would keep him in the side I think, think you're right Ayala obviously he's a consistent performer and 
I think Morbury's got a selection headache, but it's a good one to have, as we always say. These aren't good decisions that Morbury has to make, um, but it's nice to to have them. Um, I want to round up the Wickham the Wickham talk now, just because I know I want to speak about season tickets, and I'm sure you've both got a lot to say on that. Um, but Alex, is it important we don't get ahead of ourselves? Um, it is with the greatest of respect to Wickham. As Ollie said before, they are one of the lesser sides in the division. You know, it's it's not being disrespectful. They are. There's also the argument that whilst they're there on merit, they did get to the league in controversial circumstances, should we say. They were out of the playoff places when um, lockdown happened. Are we overdoing it or is it just a case of we're excited because of the overall performances? I think it's a mixture of both. I think you've obviously got to be measured in the way you assess everything that's happened so far. I think one thing you certainly can't accuse Marbury of is overhyping the squad and getting overexcited and um, getting carried away. So that's certainly something you can't criticise Marbury for. He's extremely measured and obviously throughout the League One season stayed calm all the way through whether it was going well or, you know, not very well. So, yeah, you can't criticise him for that. I think, on the other hand, you cannot find fault with a 5-0 win in a league game. And I think, as we know, over the years in the Championship, anybody can beat anybody. I mean, I just cast my mind back to games that Rovers have been a part of in the past. Um, we couldn't beat Yeovil at home. Uh, we lost to Luton and Charlton last season at Ewood. So we've struggled historically in these sorts of games. Uh, and I think in that context, I think Rovers fans should be afforded a bit of leeway in, um, shall we say, enjoying the victory to the full. And um, I just hope, as you say, the players don't catch on to the social media hype. I know for sure the manager won't be hyping them up, but that the players stay grounded and um, carry on the season as we started, really. Um, I think you look at the league and obviously Wickham, by all accounts, are going to be in the relegation dogfight. And I think losing at home to Rotherham on the opening day did send out a bit of a warning sign about how their season's going to go. But... um, we take the win and we move on, and I, I can't I can't find fault with it at all. We certainly do, and I think uh, I do think perhaps I get ahead of myself or I got ahead of myself after the result. But you cast your mind back to last season, Luton, Charlton lost to both of them at home. So it was nice, I guess, to, to have one of these teams where you look at it and you think, yeah, we should win this comfortably and actually win it comfortably because I think there's times when we just scrape past like we did against Barnsley. And on this occasion, it's been nice to, you know, really put them to the sword. Um, and I guess give fans a bit of a confidence boost and give the team a confidence boost in showing that, you know, these performance levels, if you play like this, you're going to you're gonna get more rewards than... It's, it's good to see, isn't it? OK, moving swiftly on now. Um, I want to talk a bit guys about the release of season tickets now we spoke about this on the brfcs podcast um which i encourage you to check out when um ian's edited it all um and there's there's a lot there was a lot of discussion on there so i want to discuss it on here and just get your your opinion obviously there has been a price increase for adults it's 399 pounds in the blackburn end riverside and the jack walker lower an extra £459 in the Jack Walker Upper. Then, of course, the Diamond membership, which is a £599, which offers padded seats. Obviously, you get to attend the press conferences. And I believe there's ballot priority on games. And, of course, there's the controversial tagline, we are together. Um, I know some people that have asked questions have have wanted us to have a look at this. Um, Alex, straight to you on this one again. That diamond membership and that that we are together hashtag. Is it manipulative and does it alienate fans? Think of the diamond membership. This is basically saying if you buy this, you are guaranteed to come to the stadium when 
you um when we return to grounds is is that alienating those fans that can't afford it and almost showing that no we aren't together i think it rewards the depth of your wallet rather than the should i say the depth of your rather supporting experience and um i think that's one of the biggest errors that Waggett's made. Um, I mean, you you look at the situation this summer and I don't think you can look at the, the prism of this summer on its own. I think you've got to look at what this regime have done previously to gain a greater idea of the motives for what they're doing now. Um, and I've long been of the opinion that Waggett's modus operandi is to squeeze as much cash as he possibly can out of the hardcore that go and basically not put any meaningful effort into increasing the numbers of fans that go in in a way though the number of ticket holders in a way is that not his job and again I'm playing devil's advocate here I'm not I'm not for a minute suggesting that that he should be he should be thieving from from fans but is his job not to increase club turnover so is his job as the chief exec not to help Rovers books look better uh, that's exactly his job his job is to increase Rovers turnover and obviously the, there's various ways of doing that obviously uh, ticket sales is one um, merchandise sales is another um, sponsorship is another and it got the list goes on and on um, but you look at some of the uh, revenue streams that were in doubt over the summer. We had the um, Tembet uh, sponsorship ended without any kind of information given to the fans, despite ending months prior to us knowing about it. Um, we had the kit. I think we were the last team in the championship to release our home kit. Um, and I think you view all of these things in the context that, that were the last to do everything and um obviously that isn't a good look and i think the fans have seen that this summer that we at rovers there always seems to be an excuse for why things aren't done in a timely fashion um several clubs had their season tickets on sale while the country was in a in the initial lockdown period but but then, and, then um, again then again you, you've got a look can and I think Ian made this point when we were on the BRFCS one together, can you put something on sale when there's nothing to sell? There's potential. Let's not hide away from the fact there is potential that... So I've renewed. I've paid the 179 because I come under the 18 to 23. There's potential I pay for that and I do not go to Ewood Park this season. Can you put something on sale that isn't available, that might not be available? I think the sensible thing should have been an early release of season tickets and an understanding that there may be a possibility of fans not attending the ground this season and therefore accepting that with a price bracket that would recognise the risk being taken by the person purchasing the ticket. And I think what Blackburn Rovers can't afford is for the 9,000 hardcore to become 6,000 because then that 6,000 can become 5,000 and it just keeps whittling and whittling downwards. The club desperately needs to hold on to as many season ticket holders as it possibly can because when fans get out of the habit of going, it's very, very difficult to get them back. It's extremely easy, as we've found out since March, it's extremely easy to shut things down and... uh, um, cause things to collapse but it's extremely difficult to build them back up and it's the same thing with season ticket holders it's extremely easy to lose them and when they get out of the habit it's extremely hard to get them back and so what I would have done is I would have slashed season ticket prices released them a lot earlier and my deal with the, the Rovers fans to try and return as many season ticket holders as I could was the diff um a non-refundable sum, but it would be a significantly lower cost. Um, and that would have, in my opinion, gone down far better with the fan base as a whole and would have meant a higher retention of season ticket holders. And I think 
I, I go back to the point I made earlier. Waggett has consistently raised prices and or was always looking to raise prices, even the seasons when there was goodwill within the club. And so you have to view the announcement of more price increases within that context, that it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, the sole purpose of that is to try and wring as much cash out of the hardcore as they possibly can. And I think, and I think as we'll find out over the next month or two, I think the Rovers fans will vote with their feet. Um, I, I can only speak from my experience that I won't be renewing my season ticket, but that's for a personal reason due to now living in Cornwall and logistically it's a nightmare. But um, I think even if I was in the Northwest, I think I would have, even though I, like you, come under the 1823 category, so I would have got a discount. I think I would have seriously considered the messaging and it would have made me think really long and hard about spending my cash, which is it's extremely difficult for me to say that because I stuck with the club when they got relegated to League One. You know, a lot of people who I went to games with didn't bother that summer and I stuck with it. So it's extremely hard for me to say that. But I think the way the fans have been treated over the past, I would say, three years with, you know, being moved without consultation and they threatened to do that again with the Jack Walker upper. It's just so many things on top of on top of each other that it, it just makes you turn around and say, no, thanks. I think the and, Jack uh, Walker upper one was, was one of them, wasn't it? There was no consultation and that's sort of been backtracked now and obviously they are available um again mm. ollie i want to bring you in on it obviously you live away anyway so you you don't have a season ticket and alex mentioned before that and i know i know he sort of rebuttaled it as well but he said again at the end there with the hardcore fans is that not waggett's aim though is waggett's aim not to look at the people that are most likely to spend money and think, well, they're going to spend it anyway, so let's do it. Again, I know that's not necessarily a good way, and you've got to look at how is a club run, and I can't stress enough, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I don't necessarily think it should be run like that. But what would what would you say to that if if, if someone's saying, well, that's Waggett's job? Waggett's job is to increase it, and it's not it's not his job to look at the, the income of, of, of the fans. It is his job. Um, but I think within in an unprecedented situation which is so changeable, I think even just the that fifty pound increase for adults is I think it's a difficult one to swallow in a normal season season if you're there as a you know adult season ticket holder, you're sort of what just over two pounds extra per game, and it's you know, the club can sell it with maybe a, a few little sweeteners as part of the package, but you're going to all 23 home games and, you know, the, we've made some good signings and we're looking, we might be making a, you know, a playoff promotion push this season. I think you can swallow that. And I think the hardcore, that 10,000, generally speaking, that's would probably be okay. In a season where for argument's sake, the position Blackburn was in before this anyway with the virus. Um, just to add that price hike, I, I think is a little careless because I think you're more likely to alienate, alienate people. You're in situations where you're going to have people that have been on furlough for a long time and are worried about that not being extended or losing their job or having or they've lost their job already and it's and the job market is going to be a very difficult place at the moment and then to then expect a sort of a, a very unnecessary price hike on a product that's not really going to be there essentially you're getting a sort of three pound per game discount for i follow really is what you're buying um because i think if you bought season ticket the likelihood of going to games was slim 
to begin with um and now it may not happen all season i just just as an example i've been lucky enough to be working throughout my i go to a gym my gym shut obviously and said you know prices remain the same but they reached out to all customers same way football clubs are doing and saying will you just will you carry on paying your membership even though just to keep us floating as a business and that, I, that's something I did until it's reopened just because you don't want to see it go out of business the we are in it together thing I don't disagree you know I think there's something in the Lancashire Telegraph this evening that you know Premier League clubs don't need match day revenue for argument's sake they just don't need it really to be solvent the EFL does and we it is a part of our we rely on it as a revenue stream that's largely gone for this season so really to ensure you you maximize retaining it and asking people that can afford it the goodwill of renewing a season ticket don't don't increase the price keep it the same or lower it because you're more likely to lose people by putting it up i think I don't think you gain much by adding that 50 50 quid because I think you lose you'll lose renewals because you're really you're asking it for it to be done in good faith. Um, but yeah, so I I think it I think it's just unwise given the current situation. Um, particularly if you're if you're made t- pulling on heartstrings, I think you've got to give you've got to be giving something back. You can't say can you please renew even though you can't come to a game because the club's going to go out of business as a you know a, a warning that isn't probably necessarily we don't know how true that's likely to ever turn out to be but don't increase the price in making that message for me i think it i think it's not going about it the right way i, I do think for, for what it's worth i do think you're spot on with that i think that despite what i was saying before in playing that role as devil's advocate i think the club of, of uh, it's a risk increasing the price. I, like you said, Ollie, just and I think you, you put it quite nicely. You can't expect goodwill if it's not going to be repaired. And I think hiking up prices, like yeah, there's an argument. Oh, it's only fifty pound. It's only fifty pound. Like I say, at certain times I'm the same as you. I've been lucky enough that I, I've not lost my income. Um, if anything, it, it's it, it's helped me be better off because I've not been able to go out as much. So I'm I'm on that few lucky people that have been able to continue um, without anything changing really, um, but that's not the case for everyone. And I think I think they have massively alienated the fans uh, personally. Um, I think some soul searching needs to be done. If I'm being brutally honest, because I just don't think they've thought it through. Like you both said there. They're asking for goodwill. They're asking for you to give them money because if not, the club will really struggle. That's the case. Keep the prices the same. Freeze them. Um, they've not done that, and I think it's it's annoyed a lot of people. Um, and I think, like Alex, like you said, I think that you you risk losing fans now. Um, I know many won't renew. Um, and once you get out of that habit, it's hard to get back into it. So they're on a knife's edge, though. I think we're always with the fans. Whilst on the pitch, things are good. I think in terms of politically, um, it's not as good, is it? Um, just one last one. I just want a brief, a brief thing from you both, really. With the balloting for the um, Diamond membership, there's obviously become a discussion whether some fans have more right to go to games. Now, Ollie, I'm going to bring this to you. You live away. I know, Alex, you you obviously do now what with university. But obviously, you've been historically in the northwest. Ollie, you you've lived away for the majority of your life, haven't you? Now, what would your response be to someone if they say, "Well, I go to X, Y, Z. I go home underway. I have more of a right to a ballot than you." What what would your response to that be? Because maybe you can see where they're coming from, but is that fair? Because everyone's situation is different. 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I look at it as I probably go to 70, 80% of our away games every season. And I, I sort of, I've always been this sort of strange away fan. I did, I had a season ticket for quite a while during like Hughes, Allardyce and Ince. Um, but yeah, it just logistically became quite difficult. But the, I accepted straight away that I won't get to see Rovers play because I'm normally at most of the away games and that's not going to happen. I think it's really difficult to, I think some, there are sort of two reasons. I do think some fans have more of a right to go to others, but some of that is probably more down to like a public health issue because why, if I were driving or getting a train either way, or, you know, meeting up with my dad to go to Ewood because I'd, you know, got myself a diamond membership and been given ballot priority over a hardcore local fan base. I don't think that's right. And even if I'm, you know, one of the fat, you know, one of the X thousand that gets to go, I don't know. I think there are, I don't deserve to go because I don't, I only go to Ewood, you know, a few times a season. Um, yeah, for particular games and I'm not in the local area really if fans aren't allowed back in stadiums this season or if it gets to the point where some are I think you should pre- you really the ballot should be more around you know local fans should be going to the game really because you don't want people lots of people going on trains unnecessarily in some respects so there's that side of it and then I, th- I think instead of instead of basically speaking to people's wallets you should rovers have never really had not since the sort of yeah not for a very long time you have any issue going to any single game in a normal season home or away you can go to a game it's fine but actually they probably should have brought in maybe some kind of points based system based on previous you know the only way i think you do it fairly is how say Manchester United or Liverpool do away game systems for in a normal season where it's based on it's just based on kind of prior history of match going no, none of this no like gold memberships or anything you would just you'd have to do it on a points based system that would reward people's loyalty with being at Ewood um, I think I think the, the loyalty thing is a big one I think and and uh... Obviously, it sounds like I'm, I'm plugging BRFC's podcast, which of course I am. Um, but that's the thing that was mentioned on there, that Rovers don't really have any loyalty scheme in place, do they? It's very much have a season ticket. If you've had a yeah. season ticket for, for 20 years, you are seen as the same as someone who's had a season ticket for oh, three years. And of course, you, no one's suggesting that the person that's been there for 20 but it, it's it's certainly interesting. I mean, one thing that I think potentially would be would have been a good idea to perhaps increase revenue streams or at least bring some money in for those that perhaps didn't want to pay for a season to keep wanting to keep their seat for the coming seasons. Could they have paid a small fee so that they still have their seat, even if that fee is about £30, £30, £40, just something so it keeps a little bit of that money coming in. Um I think season tickets, though, it's one that you could talk about all night. I think, to be fair, it could be a podcast in itself. The same with the shirts, as as was mentioned by Alex before. The club seem to be the last to do things. Um, I think that's historically as well. That's not just a, a swag thing. That's a, that's a thing that's been a problem with the club, in my opinion, um, for some time. OK, moving on then from the political side of the club... We're going to look at um, on-the-pitch action now, or on-the-pitch action that will be coming up on Saturday. Look at the Derby game. Um, Alex, I want to come straight to you with this one. It's a, a good opportunity, would you say, to continue the performance levels have been showing against a side that isn't in the best of form? I think any game in the Championship is a massive opportunity. I think the form Rovers are in at the minute the performances they've been putting in, um, which hopefully um, are becoming more of a habit now, um, will continue on Saturday. And obviously there's no better game than Derby, who 
are under massive pressure to get a result after losing their first two games at home to Reading and then away to Luton on Saturday. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be, you know, going to Derby with anything other than confidence that if we play as well as we have been doing, that we can get all three points. Um, I think one thing you could be slightly critical of Mowbray about over the past couple of seasons is maybe bigging up the opposition slightly too much, making it appear like we're playing, you know, Barcelona um, or maybe Bayern Munich is more appropriate at the minute um, rather than Derby. And um, I just thought that we we keep that perspective in, in our minds that although we've got to be respectful of the opposition, they are in our league for a reason. And if we play as well as we can do, there's absolutely no reason why we can't go there and win. I think you're spot on. I think one of the big criticisms, as you said, of Mowbray has been the fact, I read it in some of the comment sections on Lancashire Telegraph's website, you know, he does tend to adapt the team to who we're playing. And I think we've said it a few times on the pod um, that it's important that we get teams to adapt to us. Um, we, we need to be seen as um, a team there to be shot down, I think, um, or a team that people want to shoot down, right? should I say. And it's no good no good adapting your team to suit who you're against. I don't think I think you should play away and then let them adapt to you because you're too good for them. Um, Ollie, does a win send out a statement of intent to the rest of the league? Say, but you, you, the 5 0 win against Wickham's fantastic, but I think, especially with other fans, a lot of the comeback, especially when it saw we had five players in the team of the week, a lot of the, the rebuttal to that was, well, it was only Wickham. Say we beat Derby 3 0. Does that send out that statement of intent that actually, hold on, Blackburn could do something here? I think it lays down an early marker to say, we were sniffing around the playoffs, but not re- never really in that conversation. But we are a good team. We've got a very good player to come back and we look good. We've looked good since the start of the season, even though we've only won the one game so far. I think Derby have had a bad start, um, for sure. But no, I think it does. I think it sends a little bit of a marker out. And sometimes I think we're... I don't, I think we sometimes overlook that we are. It's a it's a quite a weak division overall in terms of there's not much between everyone. But you know when you actually walk through our side and you when you see things like that team of the week, but you look at our players, I think you know Kaminsky looks looks all right so far. You theoretically Ayala and Lenehan is arguably one of the best pairings in the prim, in the championship on paper. Are there many, how many better right-backs are there than Nyambe? Yes, Travis is out for a period of time, but how many how many better defensive mids are there than Travis? How many better strikers are there than Armstrong with some of the te- teams and players that have left? And that, and we've got Dak to come back. We, you know, there's the makings of a very good side. And if if we perform to the same level and go to Derby and win, regardless of their bad start, I know I think it, it will, it's not about getting, thinking, all oh, right, that's it, we're going to be promoted. It's their long, hard seasons, but I think it would be to make that type of positive start and be up there early on, just to kind of, just to see how we adapt to that kind of, you know, maybe in some of those kind of stodgy games against the lesser teams where we've stumbled on silly draws, maybe you know, a really good start and getting high up in the division and maybe that kind of helps turn some of those silly results into better results. And so, no, I think it's important. Um, Certainly is. Um, Alex, prediction for the game? I think Derby will try and react to losing the first two. Um, I remember being quite optimistic about playing them in the final game before lockdown and we got a hiding really. I think we lost three nil. Um, it's a, I'm, I'm going to go for a one, one draw. I think 
Um, I think it'll be another decent performance, but I think Derby will be determined not to lose a third game. And I think a draw will be the result on Saturday. Ollie, what's your prediction? Uh, I'll go with a 2-1 Rovers win. I think I'm going to go 2-0 Blackburn. Okay, so on to your questions then. Um, we've got a few questions. I think a lot of the questions we have already covered, to be fair, in the season ticket talk, I think, of turn up, Pete Dog 13 he obviously mentioned season tickets. Um, Mark Whittle, there was obviously a big one on season tickets from him. Um, P-Dog13 though also asks left back cover Alex is that still a position we really need to um, strengthen obviously there was the big rumour about Ryan Manning which ended up being false Um, is it still somewhere that we really need to to bring someone in or do you reckon there's other places we should strengthen first I think Marbury's interview after the Wickham game really confused me in, in some ways um and it kind of contradicted what had been said previously throughout the window. Um, I think Rovers fans knew all along that, or or thought all along that, we weren't looking at seven or eight incomings. It was probably along the lines of four or five incomings, and we were fairly certain that we would one of the one of those would be a goalkeeper at a minimum, a minimum of a centre-back and a left-back, and then maybe a midfielder and a wide player or a second goalkeeper as that fifth player. And um, Marbury, I think I think the Lancashire Telegraph, as we signed Ayala, indicated very strongly that the next priority would be a left-back. And I, and I agree with that because I think if you look at all the other positions in the team, I would say probably by the goalkeeping position, the lack of cover there and also the lack of quality there is a major concern if our ambitions are to get in the top six this season. Um, and so if I had any money to spend, I would encourage it to be in the left-back position. After the Wickham game, Marbury seemed to poured cold water on that and said that he had other priorities. Now, maybe the injury to Travis has altered the perception of the money we've got left and who 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 will allocate the funds towards. I, th- I, th- I think you look at it as well. You, you've got Derek Williams, haven't you, who we know can play left-back. Amari Bell, whilst he never does anything terribly well, he's never shockingly bad either. So I think I can understand why he's saying that with Travis injured. Is it? Is it some? Do we need to get a midfielder and someone's going to add that bite? If you can't always rely on a Bradley Johnson or a Corey Evans, it's certainly an interesting one. Um, the one and only Juice and Scott Taylor above asked similar questions about Dak's progress and the expectations when he returns. Um, how is he fitting into our side? Ollie, briefly. Does Dak just slot back into that number 10? Is it a case of Dak has to fit into this side? Yes, I think he, it's been slightly delayed, hasn't it? I think as his training intensity has stepped up, I think he's had a few little muscle strains, which to be expected. The way we've started the season, where do you put him in? If you were to sort of take someone out of the way we're currently playing and put him in, it's not. It's it's hard to think it, where he sits in that system at the moment. It's a it, tough it, one, isn't it? I think. Do you take a winger off and play him false nine and put Armstrong out wide? But then, can you do that considering Armstrong's played so bad, so badly, so well? Yeah, and that's the that's the oddity. I don't. I think you're wasting Dak if you if you're playing Bradley Johnson, Lewis Holtby, and then you knock out Joe Rothwell and put in Dak. Is in that midfield three. I think you're wasting him far too far back up in the pitch. He needs to be Dak as a final third player, but he's a number ten with who drifts into the box. Um, we're not playing that way at the moment. Um, I think yeah, it maybe needs to. Maybe we do. I think as you guys said last time, actually, okay, give give the four three three false nine 
Armstrong kind of narrow left, Brereton narrow right, give it a go, see how it, I think that probably is going to happen. I think we might see that given a go, but then if Dolan's carried on as he has, is that right? I'm not sure. Okay, can, can you play Dolan Armstrong Dak? Yeah, and then you put then I think you across the, in the, in that four three three with Dak as a nine false nine. I think you lose. I think having no height is is a problem. I think it all. I think Mowbray always has some height, and I know during games we you know we, we, I think we ended up with. Armstrong, Chapman and Dolan ending the Wickham game, which is fine, you know, when you're winning a game and that you're just bringing on speed, that's fine. Um, but, you know, Derby away, would you would you have a front three of, you know, no one's higher than what, about five, six? No, I think that's that's naive in my view. But then can uh, you not, can you adapt your play? I think it's one of them, it, it's... It goes back to that that idea of do you change your squad to suit other teams or to to counteract other teams or do you just say well this is how we play this is what we do and this is how we win it it, it it's a tough one I know we say it a lot but it's a good headache to have the fact that you've got Bradley Dak and we're thinking well where can we put this player in because everyone's played so well I mean in the past it was a case of Dak players. The team is built around Bradley Dak, whereas now it's a case of we don't need to build this team around Bradley Dak because we've coped relatively well without him for the past past what nine months. It's it's definitely an interesting one, and, and I'm going to say it again. I would not like to be Sony Mowbray. And on that bombshell, to steal a quote from or a phrase, should I say, from Jeremy Clarkson and Top Gear. Um, That is your lot. Um, I'd like to once again thank Ollie and Alex for joining me this evening, and of course to you for listening. Um, Make sure to check out the Rovers Chat website for all our content and previous podcasts with special guests such as Gary Boyer and Brad Friedel. We also have a brand new account for you to follow. Make sure you follow our dedicated Academy Twitter page, which is at Academy underscore Rovers where we will be bringing you the latest academy news as well as players that you should look out for. Obviously, thanks again to my um, guests. Thanks again to you and goodbye. That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.